0: ...trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries. Outrageously dependable. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness... ...that feels good every step, every street... check one, two, here we go. I'm going to give you all about 10 seconds to cover your kids ears or remove them from the room or throw them out of the vehicle, whatever you need to do, because this podcast is to get adults fired up because I'm fired up and there might be some language here that is not acceptable for children. So I'm just going to whistle for about 10 seconds starting now. All right, I'm going to start the episode now, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, you motherfuckers, you white you, you whitetail perverts, you badass, freezer-filling sons of bitches. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. I'm getting fired up, baby. And you know why? Because we're getting that pre-ret time frame, baby, and that is my abs. I sound like a wrestler. I sound like doing a wrestling promo. Right now, like I'm doing a, a WWE wrestling promo. Anyway, I'm being serious, though. It is my favorite, absolute favorite time of year, this pre rut time frame. And let's see, what day is it when this episode is going to launch? It's going to launch on the 23rd of October. So, you've heard me talk about the cold fronts in early season, how I'm, I'm just not a big fan of them, right? Don't care. Haven't seen a lot of uptick, but cold fronts this next week, leading up to November and the first five days of of November, like I would, I'm going to go with this 23rd to November 5th ish, 4th ish, especially on my properties. We're looking at the pre run and I have killed majority of my deer before the chaos of the rut right doe can pull a a doe can pull a a buck into a a, you know far away and he 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 goes off some kind of uh cycle he goes off some kind of pattern that you may have had him right now is when you should be patterning patterning deer and i'm going to talk about that here in a second but we got to do commercials first and so uh, first off i want to apologize to (laughs) to my sponsors uh because uh they probably don't know that I, I am uh, using this type of language, but I need to, I, I need, I'm fired up, man, right? And I've learned to swear, for, you know, through several years of working construction as a kid. My dad was in construction, so uh, between my dad and my uh, um, uh, years doing concrete work, doing uh, construction, and things like that, I can tell you that I've, Learned how to swear, and I'll be completely honest, I'm pretty good at it. And so, and especially when I'm fired up. So, that's what we're going to be talking about today. All right. So, huge shout out to Tethered, huge shout out to Wasp, huge shout out to Vortex, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, Huntworth, full sneak gear. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Uh, that's our commercial break right now. Oh, I do have to give some discount codes wasparchery.com, NFC20 for that. Uh, code blue Sense NFC two zero. And, uh, those are going to get you 20% off of those products, right? Anyway, those are our partners. Please go out and and check them out. All right. It's time, baby. And one thing that gets me the most fired up, uh, this time of year is, it's, it is the beginning of something. Right, We have the next, in my opinion, three weeks, uh, especially in the Midwest. I know it's different in different parts of the country as far as where you hunt, Um, Like if if you're hunting in the south or maybe further west uh, like that past the Missouri. Uh, But for the most part, northern part of the United States and even the southern part of the United States, the rut's going to hit the same time. Unless you're in one of those Alabama pockets or Florida pockets, uh, or Mississippi pockets where that comes later in the year, but for, but for the most of us, the rut hits in November, right? the 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 farms that I hunt, the rut hits. I'm gonna say almost to a T the sixth and seventh. That's when I start seeing the heaviest amount of chasing. That's when I see bucks doing crazy things. Um, and then after that, that peak period up until the 14th, 15th, then we start seeing just a ton of cruising, right? But my whole thing is try to, by now, my goal is to be patterning deer, right? To check trail cameras, to see if there's any deer on multiple trail trail cameras, to see if they are running a a specific circuit on a specific wind, right? And that, my friends, is what I'm trying to identify, right? Where are the deer? How are they moving through the terrain? What wind are they uh, moving through this terrain on? And what wind do I need, along with access routes, to get into these positions to kill them? And, dude, I've talked about this till I'm blue in the face. But this is, in my opinion, you know, if you don't have food plots, if you don't have big amounts of managed land, this is how you kill big, mature whitetail this time of year, right? You, you got to either be in a tree a lot, observing them. And watching their movement either from a distance, or you're relying on trail camera data, or or past year's history to get you in the right spot. And this is where terrain features, in my opinion, really play an absolutely huge role in your overall strategy. Um, you got to know where the destination food sources is, whether that's an ag field, whether that's a green food source, whether that is uh, an oak flat, whatever it is, you got to know where those are at, and you only you only find that through scouting. Right. And so what we have here is we try to identify this bed to food pattern. And along the bed to food pattern, you're going to find sign. Right. Sometimes, sometimes there's not going to be a lot of a sign. But the, the closer you get to this bed to food pattern, man, especially right now, you're going to start finding more scrapes. You're going to start finding uh, more rubs. I mean, all of that is upticking right now. You're you're seeing I, I went out into the timber this last weekend and I'm seeing a increase in sign, both rubs and scrapes, and they're fresh, right? And so once that rut hits, they're chasing. They're they're trying to get downwind. And yes, they're probably still laying a lot of sign, but not as consistently as they are right now in this pre-rut time frame, right? Okay. So betting transition areas including saddles um including fence crossings and including um you know travel corridors you know all that stuff then you have your um then you have your staging areas which are some of my absolute favorite places to hunt you know uh i would say that i last year's buck was in a bit of a it's like a overlapping staging area, travel corridor. It was next to a pond. Most of my other, um, most of my other kills have been on staging areas, right? And so in the staging areas, I feel like you're going to find the highest concentration of sign, okay? Right before they head out to a, a food source of some sort. Or if if that food source is an acorn flat, I would I would also Put money that there's a lot of sign if it's interior if it's an interior food source if it's an exterior food source like a food plot or a um, uh, a destination food source like a a field edge or a, a, a ag field you're probably going to find a lot of uh, sign along that field edge and into the field edge wherever that staging area may be and whatever that staging area looks like so as of right now. Right. When you're listening to this, I'm actually in South Dakota, probably on top of a li- very large hill glassing mule deer to try to kill a mule deer. But if I was in Iowa, here is what I would be doing the next three, or I would say two weeks leading up into the first half week of November, right? Pre-rut. I would be checking trail cameras more often, and I would, especially if they're easy to get to. I would drive trucks right up, you know, I would drive trucks right up to them, four wheelers, bikes, whatever. However, I can easily get to them without making a big disturbance. I feel like by letting a deer know you're coming in a truck or a car or, uh, you know, a four wheeler bicycle, whatever, making somewhat of a loud noise. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to stand up and walk away, but then usually come back. Or they just sit there and they don't move at all because they know you're not a threat, right? So that's one thing. And then what I would be doing is I would be looking on a map, right? And I would say, okay, last year I had a buck do this and he was in this, he was here. And then he was also here and he was also here. Okay, that creates a shape on a map, all right? This year he was here, he was over in this ridge, he was doing this on this trail camera, Let's make a shape with that. Okay, that's another shape. So now if it's, for example, the deer on my main farm, it's been running the same circuit for three years. And I have a ton of um, information on this buck now. So three years worth of history, including this year. And so now in this shape that I've found on a map by basically graphing where I've been, uh, where this deer has been, I can put together a, a time or a a map showing me where he travels. And then I can look into that shape and say, okay, here are some terrain features. Here are how, you know, just based off of experience hunting deer and how they travel through terrain. This is where I should be sitting on this either on this point on this wind or on the, in this ridge or draw with this wind or maybe at this uh, staging area with this wind whatever the case may be access route then you find the access route all right so you say i need to get here but how do i get here on on the wind that i feel i need to hunt this buck in and that that access route is going to tell the story of how you get to that tree stand and you got to do it the least invasive way possible now, that can carry over to checking trail cameras as well. Um, if I'm going to check a trail camera in a travel corridor, in a staging area, I'm doing it in the right smack dab in the middle of the day because this year, this time of year, yes, it's pre-rut. Yes, there's going to be a lot of uh, movement out, like on the way back to bed and on the way uh, to the food source. But for the most part, they're still bedding down a majority of the day. And so that's why uh, access to trail cameras is also very important. And so I, I would get be I would be completely gathering data. If you have a question on whether or not, you know, is a deer doing this? Is the right wind this? Do not be afraid. I typically don't do them anymore. And the reason I don't do the, this anymore is because I have um, really good knowledge of how the deer move through the farms that I hunt. I have past experience. I, I, I know what access routes I need to take in and out of the farm. And so it, but if you don't, don't worry, go do an observation set, right? Set up hundred, 200 yards away. Maybe if you know where the destination food source is, or maybe what you should do is if you feel like getting into the timber, let's say there's a draw that runs north, south and you have a west wind. Well, you should probably be hunting on the east-facing slope of that that goes downhill because typically that's how deer they move on that on that east-facing slope. Okay, don't be afraid to to basically tap out to gain information that night or that morning. Set up a, a tree stand on the west-facing slope. That way, it's a non It's a non-invasive hunt. You can maybe come off of a a, a ridge that uh, the wind will be completely blowing in your face for the most part depending on how big the the draw is or the ridge system is in between you're going to start you might be able to have get up in a tree wind blowing right into your face and then it's not disturbing the deer that are traveling that east facing slope so I feel you can also not only do like a field edge set for more information, but you can also do in the timber observation stands as well. Um, the only time this really is hard is trying to catch something in the timber a long ways away with full leaf cover, right? And so, as we all know, it takes a couple hard frosts this time of year leading up into this late, this late. Uh, season for these, the, the leaves to start falling off the tree. One big storm come through hard frost, big storm leaves are coming off the tree. Okay. And uh, that's when you're going to be able to start seeing a long ways in the timber. I am going to be, if I need, if I need to do an observation sit, I'm not going to hesitate to do it, but I always like to make every, every hunt count and I guess that's where my strategy is really fucking aggressive is when I am, I'm going in and my goal is to kill every single hunt. Like I want to be in a position to kill my target buck every single hunt just because time is limited, especially if you're an out of state hunter. Let's say I'm traveling to Ohio or like South Dakota or wherever, wherever, wherever you're going to travel on a five day hunt. You have to be aggressive because if you're, if you're tapping out right for, you know, Hey, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to do an observation sit. And then if I see something, I'm going to try to call at it, man. Calling is awesome. If you can catch a deer in the right mindset, but I feel like if it's not the right type of calling in the right type of scenario, there's no way you're going to just be able to rattle in giant deer consistently. Right. And I know there's guys out there who will probably say, Hey, you're wrong. I've rattled in a hundred thousand deer and I've, you know, I've shot a million of them and I don't know is what it is. I think it's bullshit, but. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Hear me out. If you're going on an out-of-state hunt, get in the timber. You got to get into attack mode, right? Attack mode, if you only have five days, attack mode. But... With that attack should also be lots of scouting, right? Collecting data. If you're unsure, if this is a, a, a naked property that you've never been to before and you have no information, man, you got to sacrifice tree stand time for scouting time. You got to scout. You got to know where to hunt. A lot of that, though, a lot of what you can um, accomplish e-scouting you can look at terrain features you can see the uh, the top of lines you can see the access routes right if you say okay well there's there's gonna be deer in here somewhere let me go to the absolute best terrain feature on the best access route and that can be your starting point based off of the principles that i've learned through hunting that's a really good start right because it's It's how deer just move through terrain, whether it's subtle and you're in a really flat state or a a big river bottom system where there's a very little terrain. They're still going to be traveling in that subtle terrain uh, difference there. So um, staging areas. I've already talked about this. Um, Actually, let me back up. I want to talk about bedding areas right now because I honestly believe that bedding areas are still really good to hunt this time of year if you have the information, right? If you have, if you've seen a buck come into a bedding area uh, on a certain wind and you have that wind the next day, best believe you need to be in that bedding area with the, the best possible wind the next day, okay? Bedding areas are also a huge risk this time of year because, if you get into, like, be prepared that if you don't have a shot and there's a big buck that comes in and he's going to bed down in this bedding area, like, if you decide, oh, shit, I need to get out of the tree and go to work or go do an activity, unless you have a Loctite wind and you're and you're very quiet about it, be prepared to bump the deer leaving downwind to that bedding area and... And getting out without spooking anybody and at the same time have a plan put together that if you do have to do that, you know where this buck is going to come back this night. It's very hard for me to leave a deer unless I like, hey, either vacation is up, I got to get back to work, I have to leave this deer, emergency, kids activities, that shit happens, we know that. But it's very hard for me to leave a deer when I know exactly where they're at. If I've like... The only time I will sit all day long is if I watch a deer bed down, a big buck bed down, the, the only issue with that is if you didn't have a crack at him when he came into the bedding area and you're in that tree stand, I'm not saying it's gonna happen every time, but if he leaves going that same route in you're still not going have a uh, you're still not going to have a shot at him. So really what you've done is you've sat all day for nothing. Right. So you got to you got to find that trail that he came into that bedding area on. And then the next morning, like if you don't want to spook him, then you sit all day. You know, you're not going to get a crack at him that night. The second he leaves the bedding area and stands up, you get down, you put your tree stand in that same position where he came in and then you try to catch him the next morning. Right. But you you can't disturb them because then they'll you'll you'll bump them from their their bedding area and then they may not come back to that bedding area. OK, so that's one thing to really be careful for. That's why for me, I personally don't hunt bedding areas until I get into the the first week of October or November and into the full, what I would consider the full blown rut. Right. And that way I feel like there's more chaos, which means I can be more. Intrusive into the terrain, and so there's that. If I've ever hunted a bedding area before, I've never really hunted in it, right? I almost look at it like I hate to say it as a (laughs) as a safe spot for these deer. Okay, they they know that. Like I found it through scouting. I know I'm not going to disrupt it, so I'm hunting the fringes of that bedding area, waiting for them to come in or come out. If I can see one in there, maybe I'll throw a grunt at them. but I'm, I'm right on the fringe from the bedding area to the travel corridor, right? Right when they step out and they start using terrain to walk through. That's where I like to put my uh, stands when I'm I'm in the timber or I'm in a marsh or I'm in a river bottom right on the edge of the bedding right before it gets to the travel corridor. Now, listen to me when I say this. The travel corridor sometimes isn't even there. Right. Especially on river bottom ground. There's pockets of real thick, nasty stuff where they will bed. They will come into a staging area where they'll hang out for a while and then they'll go to the main egg. Right. And so that that means there's not a huge travel corridor for them to come in, which typically means that they'll stay in their beds a little bit longer, or they'll stay in the staging area a little bit longer. And so this past weekend. Uh, I hunted one of those scenarios, and that's where all the sign was at. Tons of rubs, tons of scrapes. And so that right there is a, um, a perfect example of where where deer hang out is where you're going to find uh, the scrapes. And this just so happened to be uh, the rubs and scrapes. This so happened to be a, uh, a staging area before big ag. Now, Rubs rub lines. I think, I I, I think rub lines are awesome to identify. They're say, cool, a big rub. And I love big rubs. It lets me know that big deer live here, but it's, I get more fired up about a fresh scrape than I do a big rub because it's really hard to tell how long a rub has been there. It could be a month and it, it could still look fresh, right? A scrape is a better indicator. I mean, I've walked up on scrapes that it, the dirt was still wet from when they pissed in it the, that morning, uh, or or you walk into it and there's there's leaves over top of it. You can tell it's a scrape, but there's leaves over top of it, and so that hasn't been hit in a while, right? And then like there was still dust in the scrape. That's how fresh it was, right? So um, I I look at scrapes. I rate scrapes higher. Then I do rubs. Rub lines are kind of obvious because a, a buck's going to rub his antlers preparing for the rut uh, and stripping velvet on the, on the same travel routes that he takes on a daily basis. So what that does is maybe it just indicates that, hey, this is an area that bucks like to travel. But the terrain tells me that anyway. Fresh grapes tell me that he's been here within a certain period of time. And that this is his route in the preseason, especially if I have a fresh scrape in an area and trail camera verification of him in this area. And so, there's that. Uh, like this isn't this isn't rocket science, right? Everybody knows this already, especially if you listen to this podcast. Most people, I should say, everybody. Most people know this. Most people know everything that I've already talked about. It's just implementing it into a scenario. And then the risk for me comes at in the initial, it comes in the initial push into the bedding area, the travel corridor, uh, the, the staging area. Very rarely do I hunt field edges anymore. I'm not looking to see 15, 20 deer a night. I'm looking to see one deer and it's my target buck. That's all I care about. And does. And I say that, I say that, like, I, this time of year, if there's no does in an area, then that tells me that I'm probably in the wrong spot. Because what drives the rut? Does. I like to check doe groups, I like to see what does are doing throughout the the entire hunting season really because that tells me where the big bucks are gonna show up. So usually what happens is somewhere like right now I'm getting a ton of pictures of does moving through the timber, right? The bucks, they get they're somewhere, but they're not necessarily uh scent checking these doe groups. But something happens somewhere around the 25th through the 30th every year where the big dogs start to show up right after the doe groups, or they're downwind scent checking uh, these doe groups. One, some of the uh, the best encounter I've ever had with a big mature buck was October twenty eighth, two thousand and nine, eight or nine, with the whole shipwreck story. Right? What did he do? I got all the does coming on trail camera. I said I'm going to get in there on the. Per- I have this perfect wind, perfect access route. I'm going to get in there. He shows up downwind of a four a four doe doe group and he's scent checking them he didn't walk by my camera he veered off and stayed in the thickness and disappeared on me but that tells me that it's a perfect spot to be and that i need to micro adjust my tree stand location to get a closer shot at where he where he was standing right so i did that i never got a shot at him there unfortunately but i'm just it's that much more information I'm that much closer to if he did show up. And so the initial big risk for me is the initial push into wherever I'm, I'm going and then being able to then micro adjust, which in my case isn't very risky. Because once you're in a tree stand, you see how deer move. You, you say to yourself, I need to move my tree stand or my setup. I can see what the wind's doing in there. I can see what the deer are doing in there. And so when the deer move out, right, and it's midday in the pre-rut, tear down the set, micro adjust your, your, your location, and then hunt it that night or wait until the perfect uh, scenario again next morning, whatever the case may be. So if I had to say, you know, some t- sometimes people ask me, Dan, should I hunt mornings or should I, I can only hunt one or the other? I can't hunt both. It's so hard, man. Like all of these questions. Hey, Dan, do you, should I hunt mornings or evenings? Should I do this? Where should I hunt? What are the staging areas? I don't ask those questions. I ask one question. What is the deer doing? What, if you have a target buck, what is he doing? If you don't know, then you better find out, right? Whether that's trail cam data or observation sets or just getting in there and, and hunting, and scouting look for you know try to do some scouting even if it's a small parcel get in there try to find a rub even if it's just with a binocular you know binoculars or try to get in there with an observation set but it's so hard to answer a question because there's no there's no blanket statements in hunting right i don't know your property you don't know my property i do you have food plots and and all that stuff is it well managed or is it four acres And there's 30 other hunters around the the other properties, right? So you only get four acres. Like, I don't know those scenarios. So a lot of my strategy is dictated by what the deer are doing. And so I try to capture that data and use that data to make decisions on when to attack, right? And so at this point, man, I'm really just beating a dead horse, it's time. It's time. Like, and and how serious are you about it? I have no. I, dude, I have no problems with the guys. Like, I'm a meat hunter. And I want to go fill the freezer. Go fill the fucking freezer, dude. Fill it to the brim, right? Go lay something down. I I will celebrate that with you. That's awesome. Congratulations. Hey, take my kid out. I want to experience my my uh the kid to hunt with me. All this stuff, dude. I I one hundred percent. I'm all about that. Go out there. Spend time with your family. It's the most important thing. Right, get these kids excited about deer hunting. Right? I, I, I'd like to do that too. I like to do that too. But there comes a time when it's time for the killers to start to kill. And it's time to put the women and the children to bed. No offense. Well, you could be a, a woman and just like in this mindset. It, like that's just a statement. Put the kids to bed, honey, I got some shit to do. I'll see you when I see you, right? And get out there, make the right moves, get aggressive, right? Quit fucking around and go handle business, right? If But if you're not like that, dude, that's fine. That's fine. Go out, enjoy nature. I, I enjoy nature every time I'm out, but I'm also in killer mode. Gotta slay right and there's only certain amount of deer that will that will meet my expectations right and i'm a product of my environment so i'm lucky i live in iowa i'm very lucky i lived in, love, live in iowa i'm very lucky that i get a a chase these larger antlered animals in a lower pressure environment right i almost feel that in the higher pressure environments you have to be more aggressive because if you're not, and you're just going to be like, hey, I'm just going to let it go by, you know, I'm just going to sit here for three days and watch this buck come in and out, oh shit, another guy came in, bumped him out of his bed, that's your fault, man, for not being aggressive. You can't blame that on the other hunter, that's your fault, you had time to go do that. That's that's a, a weird scenario, but still, right? I've learned my lesson the hard way several years in a row, back in the in the 2010s, like, you, hey, dude, I saw a big buck today. And then someone would say, well, did you have him within shooting range? I'm like, no, I saw him across the field. Okay, cool. The next night, oh, dude, I saw that same big buck again. I saw him across the field. Well, why didn't you move over towards him? Oh, I, I just watched him. I'm hoping I can rattle him in. Bullshit. Go, go move your tree stand. I know, dude, I'm just, I'm, I'm fired up. I, I really wish I would have, one thing that I'm kind of regretting is the the timing of my South Dakota hunt. Because I would rather be hunting, if I had to, I'd rather be hunting whitetails here in Iowa and trying to lay down a big deer so I can go to Oklahoma or Missouri or Wisconsin or wherever I, I, I'm hoping to hit two rut hunts this year, one in Iowa, one in uh, Wisconsin or one in uh, one of those other states. And so... I'm I'm leaving during the pre-rut to go hunt, and I'm excited about it because I've never hunted South Dakota this late, and I'm I'm interested to see the uptick. Huge cold front coming through too, dude. It's gonna spark off the deer the deer movement. Uh, There might I might get rained out a couple days, but I'll say this, man. I am freaking excited about what's coming down the pipe in the next week. Uh, and I'm doing that right now while you're listening to this. So, um, man, you know what to do. Go do it. Good luck, dude. I'm I'm sending so many positive vibes out into the world that anybody who hears this, man, soak them in. This This time of year only happens, it doesn't happen like every weekend, right? You can't go, hey, uh, why can't you go hunting in July? Like, uh, you're stupid. Don't ask dumb questions. <laughs> why, dude, why can't you do this? Why can't you do this? Dude, the rut's the same time every year. Pre-rut, same time every year. Go do it. Take advantage of it. You might have to make some people unhappy, right? But it's also your job to prepare them and and build those brownie points up so that you can be left alone and go handle your business, right? Whether that's, Three days out of a year or whether that's the next 30 days that you that you get to hunt. Go handle business. And so I'm sending good vibes in, man. Most importantly, safety, right? If you have, dude, like for me, I just imagine myself without a safety harness. I fall out of my tree. I become paralyzed. I can't do shit for my family anymore other than moral support, okay? Like, okay, like the whole dynamic changes, Right, do not fall out of a tree stand. Wear a damn safety harness. It's very simple. It's very simple. If you forget it, go back and get it. Right? There's no there's no point dying over a deer. Also, this is a good point. Don't lose friendships over a big deer. I have talked to so many hunters. Man, I'm over. I'm over 800 episodes of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, and I've talked with a lot of people in since 2014 when this started, right? We're coming up on 10 years of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, and I've heard too many stories of people losing friendships, lifelong friendships over a big buck. It is not worth it. It is not worth it. If we all had kind of a, a changed mindset, where hey, dude, let's work together to kill this buck, right? That would probably be a better mindset. That way, you're not losing friends. You're not losing friends. Don't lose friends over a dumbass deer. Okay. At the same time, that's <laughs> that's why I hunt by myself. So, <laughs> so uh, I kind of I kind of like that. But anyway, don't lose friends over a dumb deer. Safety, good vibes, you know the drill, guys. Uh, Huge shout-out to Tethered, Wasp, Vortex, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, Huntworth, and Full Sneak Gear. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, let everybody know that this podcast is badass. The Nine Finger Chronicles hats are coming. They're actually, uh, when I'm recording this, they're getting built today. They're getting built today. And so I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, getting those shipped to you guys who have already purchased them. And then also who haven't purchased them, man, go spend some money, go get a nine finger Chronicles hat. It's going to go to a good cause. And that good cause is being able to take my wife out to nice dinners so that I can get brownie points so I can hunt. So really what you're doing is you're buying a hat that allows me to hunt. If that makes any sense. So uh, take care. Good luck. Please send me your your success pictures, whether that's a doe, whether that's uh, your kid shooting a deer, wife, girlfriend, uh, your first deer, your biggest deer, your pictures of your freezer, pictures of your meals. I love looking at that shit. So good vibes in, good vibes out, and we will talk to you next time. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.